Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 3, Term 2. This is Lesson 18. We are going to pick up uh, in John chapter 4 and verse 43. This is Jesus' change of residence. We're in chapter 5, I, or is it chapter... What chapter is it? Is it 6 for you? Okay, chapter 6 in your books. <clears throat> Alright. So, following the Lord's ministry to the woman at the well... Subsequently, the entire Samaritan city of Sychar. It goes on to say in John chapter 4 and verse 43, Now after the two days, he departed from there and went to, this is the land of Galilee. This is said, went to Galilee. While the disciples' movements aren't recorded at this time, probably having returned to their homes and secular jobs, since they hadn't yet uh, fully committed, take one of those yets out. We are told of the reason why Jesus left the Samaritans after staying with them for just two days with Matthew now. So we're going to get another gospel coming into this. Writing in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12, saying, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, okay, to the land of Galilee. So now we know why. Now, why he didn't stay more than two days with them. So he, he might have stayed a lot longer with them and ministered there for a lot longer, except this now has happened. And um, Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 comes, confirms this when it says, Now after John was put into prison, prison Jesus came to Galilee. So again, we're, we're hearing this. Uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And uh, more on this when we get to that section in Mark. Now as to the reason of John's imprisonment, that's actually found later on in Matthew chapter 14, verses 3 through 5, where it says, Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Wonderful family this. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. So John the Baptist's main objection was that was Herod's incestuous marriage to his niece. Like I said, wonderful family. Alright, <laughs> so Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a prophet. We will look at all of this when we get to uh, Matthew chapter 14. <clears throat> Not that there's a lot to say about it. Uh, what's more, we also know from Mark's Gospel, specifically Mark 6.20, that Herod feared John knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. So we're, we're going to see all of this, that Herod was moving towards listening to John, and regardless of what was going on, um, we're going to see things happen there. But again, when we get to them, we'll talk about all of that. So this is again why Jesus only stayed with the Samaritans for two days. That's what all this is about. <laughs> okay. So next as to why Jesus decided to go to the province of Galilee, as opposed to anywhere else, is brought out in John uh, chapter 4 and verse 44 and verse 45. It says, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his country. All right. Now, this part is a little bit... It almost seems contradictory, but I'm going to explain it out to you. So we'll just follow it through and I'll, I'll talk to you about it. Now, <clears throat> the first thing when it says, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country, it's referring to Jewish soil as opposed to Samaritan soil. Okay? That is Galilee and Judea over against Samaria. 
That's the first thing we need to understand. So when he came to the land of Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. So they also had gone to the feast. Now, there's a lot of controversy against surrounding these two verses because they seem to contradict each other. First, verse, in verse 44, Jesus says that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Okay, notice the words, no honor. Okay, now that's really important because remember again I said to you before, the way things get translated out, you know, in, in your language you listen to it and go, oh yeah, we understand that. The more popular you become, the more you look for ordinary. Do you know what I mean? So you can go to a, you know, a store or go to some place without everybody bowing down at you and asking for an autograph and can have a selfie with you. No, <laughs> they do selfies now, you know. You know, okay, you know. And, and it just gets almost just, just too much. And you just think, I just want to go somewhere where everybody just knows me and I'm just, you know, that kid from down the road and, and it's okay. Do you understand? So that's why you need, really need to look at those words, no honor, because they're the key to this verse. And the way it's said, it sounds like, well, you know, nobody honored him, and you know, they, like they, you know, they disrespected him. It wasn't that. No honor meant actually no honor. They, they, were, they knew him. Okay? And let me just read as we go through, and you, you'll get where I'm coming from. To understand what the Apostle John, again, it's, because again, verse 45 says, the Galileans received him having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem. So to understand what the Apostle John is saying here, we need to remember again that the reason Jesus left Judea at the beginning of the chapter was not because of any persecution against him, but because of what it said in John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. So I need to take you back for a minute. Remember again it said, Therefore when the Lord knew, or literally had come to know, that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea. Do you see that? And departed again to Galilee. So there was a reason he left. Again, in short, Jesus left in order to avoid any jealousy and resentment that might arise between John's disciples and his. Remember how there was this problem going on? Well, I've written it all down. Let's just read through it. Especially since it already said in John chapter 3 and verse 26, referring to John's disciples, and they, that's John's disciples, came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you, remember that? They didn't even call him Jesus, right? <laughs> they said, he who was with you, okay, beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, means you didn't help this at all, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Remember that? All weren't coming to him because it said in verse 23, now John also was baptizing in, in you know, that place near Salem, because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. People were still coming to him. So not everybody went to Jesus. So you know, there was a problem going on. Remember again? And I, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, Jesus had every right to say, well, I'm, my ministry is bigger than yours, you move. <laughs> Okay, but you know he doesn't do that. He says, you know what? Let's pack up. Let's go. Let's not cause any problems here. Doesn't matter, you know, whose ministry is bigger. It's best not to have strife. Amen. And that's a, a lesson for all of us. So again, to avoid any strife and division, Jesus retreated from Judea. But now, as a result of John's imprisonment, Jesus returns to his own hometown. And the reason again is brought in verse 44, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor, and the word really is fame. See how that changes things? Okay. In his 
are in his own country. Again, referring to, the, to Jewish soil. In other words, Jesus knew that his fame would not be an issue here, since they knew him from his youth, and therefore, therefore would welcome and receive him as one of their own, Okay, at the present time anyway, alright? Especially after they saw him cleanse the temple. Alright, so they knew. They said, we know him, you know, we know his character, we know, and, and also they'd seen what he had done with the temple. So they thought, well, you know, <laughs> somebody should have done that, we're happy he did. Alright, so, so are you beginning to understand? So with that, it then goes on to say, so when he came to Galilee, the Galilean, Galileans received him. Alright? Having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they... Uh, also had gone to the feast. All right. Now, returning to Matthew's Gospel, while all the other accounts simply tell us that Jesus went to the region of Galilee, Matthew chapter 4 goes a step further and lets us know of a change of residence that took place within Galilee. All right, with verse 13 going on to say, this is, now, we're weaving through the Gospels now, okay? <laughs> and uh, the, the reason we're doing this is because sometimes you just don't know where something belongs. Some things are quite difficult to work out where they belong. Uh, and when we get to those things, I'll let you know. Um, other things, uh, there's enough information there to say, okay, this does belong here. So we're getting a little bit of an insight now from Matthew's Gospel. It says, and leaving or literally abandoning the city of Nazareth, that's his hometown, okay? He came and dwelt or settled. The, the word actually means settled, made his home. Okay, and those things really helped see what actually happened. Alright, so he came and settled and made his home in the city of Capernaum. Alright, and that's in Galilee, the home of Peter and Andrew, James and John, we find, and Matthew himself, which is by the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. So it was a nice seaside residence. Yeah, I would have gone there too. <laughs> okay, um, so it's interesting now that Jesus has moved out of home. Okay, so you need to see this now. He has moved out of home. He is not that he was at home much, but you know, he's moved out. His body got his own place. This is going to be really important, and I don't know why people don't pick this up. This tells us he has his own place. There's a time where they're going to say, when he's going to say, you know, foxes have holes and birds, and then, you know, but the Son of Man has no place. That's because he was somewhere where he didn't know anyone. They use that verse in spite of this verse. To say, well, see, Jesus didn't have anywhere to rest. He was poor. And so we have to be poor because he was poor. And if you have your own place, then you shouldn't because Jesus didn't have his own place. He was poor. You know, the, yeah, you're getting the poor part? Okay. <laughs> okay. And, you, you know, you just think, but the gospel, this verse tells you that he moved residence. He actually got a place in a different place. Like he actually had a house. So, you know, to, you know, to get a place, you need money. You know that filthy lucre? Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. Uh, remember again, finance is never the problem. It's the love of it that's ever the problem. Amen? Amen. Okay. So it's important that you see this. And you all, you know, if people ever say, oh, Jesus had no place, it's just, hang on a second. Uh, let us now go to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 13 and show you that Jesus had a house. Okay. All right. So <laughs> he couldn't settle otherwise. Amen? You know, when you say settle, it means you've got a house, you've got a place. Can we all... Amen. Okay, Robert H. Mounts says that the imprisonment of John the Baptist marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in Galilee. 
Jesus moved to Galilee and settled in Capernaum, which is also under the rule of Herod Antipas, who had John the Baptist beheaded, to take over the work of John. So can you see what's going on now? John has been taken out of the picture, so Jesus steps in. All right? And in a certain sense, challenge to challenge the action of Herod. All right? So Herod says, I'm taking this one out. Jesus says, I'm stepping in. He continues, he says, For several reasons, it was appropriate for Jesus to begin his public ministry in Galilee. Firstly, it was a densely populated and exceptionally fertile district. Secondly, it was a bustling and productive region through which ran two of the favorite highways of antiquity. Its population was mixed and it was open to all sorts of contacts with the wider world. As William Hendrickson puts it, Capernaum became the center of Christ's activities, his headquarters during the great Galilean ministry. It was there that Jesus performed many miracles, customarily attended the synagogue, and delivered several messages. Matthew even called Capernaum Christ's own city. That's going to be found in Matthew 9.1. Okay, alright, are we all good with this? Can I just move on? Alright. All right, continuing on to verse 14 through 16, it says that it might be fulfilled. Now, Matthew begins Jesus' ministry by pointing out to yet another prophecy fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Remember again that they're writing this after the fact. Okay, after Jesus has been crucified. So Matthew is writing to the Jews, and he is giving a whole list of things about Jesus that fulfilled Old Testament prophecy to say this was the Messiah. Are you all with me? Okay? All right, so... Which is why he adds all of this, and he says here in verse 14, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, which is a loose adaptation of Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, two ancient tribes that had suffered severely in the past, by way of the sea, that's of Galilee, beyond the Jordan, that's a river, okay, the land of Galilee of the Gentiles, pointing to the fact that many non-Israelites lived there, and why the Jews in Jerusalem look down on the Galileans. It says in verse 15, the people who sat in darkness, this is very interesting, we might talk about this for a minute. The people who sat in darkness, that's both spiritually and intellectually, have seen a great light. Isn't this interesting? Yeah, the way he's putting it. The contrast of darkness and light there. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned, dispelling both death and its shadow. All right. Now, notice there's a lot of imagery here. Okay, um, it's showing you who Jesus was to people. It's saying that these people who had suffered so much, a light has now arrived. All the darkness they had suffered through, God has brought His light into this land into this city. Isn't it interesting that he goes to a place where normally you wouldn't think to find the Messiah? Because you'd think you'd find him in, in Jerusalem, where the temple is. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> But remember again the conversation Jesus had with the woman of Samaria, which is right, neither. So he goes and says somewhere else. You know why? Because Jerusalem was no longer God's city. It was a city full of religion. Understand? And if, the, if religion wanted it, religion can have it. The light went somewhere else. You need to see this. You need to see that the light wasn't in Jerusalem. So why are people so caught up in Jerusalem? 
I'm just going to ask you a question right now. People go, oh, let's take a tour to Capernaum. No, Jerusalem. But he lived in Capernaum. Why are we going to Jerusalem? Isn't it interesting how religious people think? Can I throw that out there? Not, okay. If you're all going on a tour to Jerusalem, please do. But I'm just saying. <laughs> okay? I'm just saying that it ain't where Jesus was. Hmm? And it's important that we understand this. That he himself moved. Why are we still going there? Just, just asking, okay? Anyway. <laughs> I mess with your heads too much. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Getting back to this. All right. So, <laughs> because, you know, people are so proud that, you know, uh, they're building a city in Jerusalem or a church in Jerusalem. And it's, it, build one in Capernaum. He was there. Anyway, notice again it says that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. It's not just an average light. Notice it says a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Alright, so the reason that Matthew includes these verses and this particular prophecy in his gospel is because it would have been expected that the Messiah would have occupied a residence in Judea, near Jerusalem, and done most of his work there as opposed to Galilee of the Gentiles and its region. See, <laughs> in fact, I think I might have it here. Yeah, let, let's continue on. But by doing this instead, the Lord once again fulfilled specific biblical prophecies and proved yet again that He was, in fact, their Messiah. Isn't it interesting? Their own Messiah wouldn't be there. Their own Messiah was prophesied to be somewhere else. And there He was. Amen. Okay. Further to all this, I like this, Leon Morris says this. Leon Morris explains that in Galilee, the smallest village had more than 15,000 inhabitants. And there was a saying at the time which was, Judea is on the way to nowhere, Galilee is on the way to everywhere. And whereas Judea was mountainous and isolated, Galilee was open to trade and ideas, making it the kind of country where new teaching might be heard and even welcomed. So you can see now why Jesus moved there. Are you all with me? Okay, see, he's looking for places to minister the word. He's not going to be hanging around places where they're going to be rejecting him and all the religious leaders. Remember, you know, Jerusalem is where all the religion is happening, where a lot of the opposition is coming from. Do you see this now? You can begin to see. So the, the atmosphere there was, was religious spirits hanging over religious structures, wanting to do religious things, that Jesus didn't play along with. So I, I almost think, you know, somebody comes running in and said, Yay! He moved out to, to Galilee, man. He won't come and turn our tables over again. Remember the last time he was in the temple? Didn't go so well for them. Amen? So I, you know, I just think everybody breathes a sigh of relief. Religion always breathes a sigh of relief when the light leaves. Anyway. This leads us now to uh, Matthew chapter 4. And verse 17, which marks a transition. With Matthew writing there, verse 17, From that time Jesus began to preach or proclaim and to say, Repent. See, from that time. Alright, so now Jesus is going to start something. He is going to, why? Because John the Baptist has been taken out. So he's stepping in and, full, and it's going to fill his shoes now. 
Alright, so it says that Jesus began to preach or proclaim and to say, Repent, which calls for an active change of direction. Did you get that? I do want to talk about repent for a minute. A lot of times people take repent as, Oh, I'm crying to cry. And I have to say, Oh, I feel so bad. And I feel so... No, 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 that's not repenting. That's just regretting. <laughs> okay? All right. Repenting, true repentance, calls for an active change of direction. Change of direction. Amen? You need to say, I will no longer go in this direction. I am going to change directions and go that way from now on. I was on the path to hell, death, and all the bad things. I am going to change and go towards life from now on. Amen? Amen. Alright, so, that's why he says, repent. So Jesus, he's saying, change your direction. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Whatever direction you've been going right now has not been a good one. He's saying change direction. Amen. Are you getting this? Okay. Alright. So before we can look at this verse, however, we need to look at Mark's account of the same time period with him recording in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, okay, which we looked at, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying... The time is fulfilled, literally time for decisive action on God's part. And the kingdom of God is at hand. So he's preaching this now. Alright? Since the king was now present. Notice the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to notice something here as well. Uh, actually, no, I've made, I've made the, the point here. Alright. <clears throat> and the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, repent and believe in the gospel or believe in the good news. All right? Because a lot of people said, I don't believe it. <laughs> okay? He's saying, you need to believe this. Okay? It has happened. What you've been waiting for for so long is finally here. Amen? In Matthew's account, Matthew has Jesus saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While in Mark's account, Mark has Jesus saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Alright, now contrary to what some believe, the two phrases, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, are not the same. Some, I've heard a lot of people sort of say, well, they're exactly the same thing. One calls the kingdom of God, one calls the kingdom of heaven. Alright, so let's just go through this. Firstly, the kingdom of God, the Greek word is theos here, refers to a spiritual kingdom. Just like God is a spirit. Remember John 4.24. While the kingdom of heaven, the Greek word is this word here. I'm not going to pronounce it. <laughs> okay? Which refers to a physical, earthly kingdom, just as heaven is physical. You know how, okay, when you go to heaven, people that are in heaven, you know, they don't just float around. They're actually walking on in, in grass and everything. Okay? Alright. Secondly, the reason that Matthew, and only Matthew uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Now that's important. Only Matthew uses it. Okay, so if you're reading the Gospels, you won't find that phrase anywhere else. The only reason that Matthew, and only Matthew uses the kingdom of heaven 33 times, is because Matthew was primarily addressing Jews. Remember I told you? His whole Gospel is to the Jews. Because he's saying, you people made a mistake. You need to repent and get back in on this, otherwise you're all going to hell. Basically is what he's, going to, what he's saying, you know. And they were all waiting for the return of the Messiah King. Remember? They are saying, remember how they said, will you now set up your kingdom? Remember how they keep asking Jesus, is it now, is it now, is it now? And he said, no. <laughs> you know? Then he said, I've got to go die. He goes, what is this? You know, you, you don't die. 
You have to set up the kingdom first. We want to be comfortable. Then you can go die. <laughs> okay? You know people are looking for their own comfort, man. Alright, so, so, so Matthew is addressing the Jews. He's saying that the person, that, that, that Messiah King, that you were waiting for, the one that, would, that was like David, who would restore the physical land back to them. This is, this is why he's saying, he uses this phrase. He's saying, you're waiting for this person, this is who it is. Alright, he's saying it was the kingdom, this was the kingdom, you, you crucified your king. Hello. Footnote, <laughs> you know, all right. Which is why, you know, when they were preaching in um, in Acts, when it was, I think it was, um, we'll look at all of this. Stephen preaches, and I think he says, "You, you people, killed your own king, basically your own Messiah. You murdered him, and then they all murder Stephen. Nice group of people. Yeah, you know, you think about this, you know, you just think, wow." How can you call yourself religious, so to speak, you know, and then murder people? Because they preach stuff you don't like. It shows a murderous heart, and it doesn't show a godly heart. Interesting, isn't it? Amen? Alright. So, back to this. And Oops. Okay, I should finish in the next two minutes. <laughs> we'll see where we can put a full stop on this. Um, <laughs> Second reason, oh wait, excuse me, I've already gone through that. So that's the reason we have the incident recorded in John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, where it is written, when the people saw the sign he had done, all right, when he fed the 5,000, all right, that was men, not including men, women and, and children, by the way, uh, with five loaves and two fishes, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is coming to the world. And when Jesus, listen to this verse, it's a very important verse. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountains by himself. See that? Yeah, these people thought, well, they this guy can feed all of us with nothing. We're going to make you king. Let's see what the Roman government is going to do with this. Because if you can do this, I'm sure you can do something else to get rid of them when they come, you know, opposing. And Jesus was like, no, this is not happening now. See, this is again the reason why Matthew is saying, that was your king. Amen? The person you murdered was the Messiah. He was, because they always knew the Messiah was going to... See, when Jesus comes a second time, oh, 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 yeah, then He'll come the way they want Him to come. But it won't be at their convenience. Amen? It'll be in His time. Amen? Because first He had to die, then He comes back as King. Riding on white horses, and you'll be there with him probably. So they wanted to forcibly make him their physical king, and therefore force him to free them from Roman rule once and for all. But it was not time yet for Isaiah nine six to fully come to pass, as we'll see when we look at the end times. Even though this was the beginning, with the prophet Isaiah writing, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given." That was now. That was this time, right? And then it says the government of, of, will be upon his shoulder that was to come. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Interesting, isn't it? Amen? Alright, we might stop there. Actually, let me just say one more thing here. That's why Matthew again has Jesus saying in Matthew 4.17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While Mark, on the other hand, who was writing to a large audience, makes a reference to a spiritual kingdom, and says, 
the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen? And we'll, we might talk about this a little bit more next time when we come back. Uh, but we'll, we'll leave it for now. I hope that blessed you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't want to go too far today because we're missing a few people. And, and I don't want them to have to catch up too much. All right. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. And we'll pray and continue, conclude for tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we thank you today for your word once again. We thank you, Father, for this tremendous life of Christ and all the things that we're learning. And I just thank you, Father, that this isn't just information, but this is revelation and insight and understanding that we are receiving. And Father, I just thank you that as we grow in these things, I thank you, Father, that we will get a, a greater clarity about what actually happened all those years ago and, and who actually lives on the inside of us. That we serve a living God. And we thank you, Father, that we are getting to see His life like never before. In Jesus' name, Amen.